0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to this episode of Laurel's Legacies, a podcast about Laurel County, Kentucky's history, highlighting its people, places, and events. I'm your host, Dana Estridge, a former journalist turned historian with a passion for local history. Before we get started on this week's episode, I need to clarify a small detail from last week's episode about the London National Cemetery. My friend and fellow historian, Renee Beats of the Laurel County Historical Society has pointed out to me that Jarvis Jackson did not technically donate the land where London was built. After a bit more research, I discovered that Jarvis Jackson and his father, John Jackson, had originally donated 25 or 30 acres of land to the county court as the site where the county seat would be built. But a couple of months later, they amended the deal the new agreement between the Jacksons and the Laurel County Court was to deed the property back to the Jacksons, allow them to keep the proceeds from the sale of the property, and in exchange, Jarvis and John Jackson would build a courthouse and jail at their own expense. So thank you, Renee, for calling that to my attention. Now, let's get started on this week's episode. Laurel County has been the home of several notable people from all walks of life who've left their mark not on just Laurel County or Kentucky or even the United States, but sometimes the entire world. Well known artists, authors, doctors, historians, lawyers, musicians, songwriters, politicians, and even Miss Kentucky have all called Laurel County home over the past 200 years. For instance, I recently learned that Laurel County gave birth to its very own version of Grandma Moses. You know who Grandma Moses was, right? I know you've at least heard the name. Her real name was Anna Mary Robertson Moses, and she was an American folk artist born in Greenwich, New York, in 1860. She had a lifelong love of art. As a child, she started painting landscapes using lemon and grape juice to make the colors for her artwork. Although she found a way to express her artistic talent through decorating her home and doing embroidery and quilting, due to family and economic circumstances, she was unable to really pursue painting as an expression of her art until she was in her late 70s. Her first step to fame was in 1938, when an art collector saw some of her paintings for sale in a Hoosick Falls, New York drugstore. Her first solo exhibition, What a Farm Wife Painted, opened in New York City in October 1940 at Otto Kellier's Gallery St. Etienne. Remember those names. They'll be mentioned again later. Grandma Moses gained worldwide fame for her painting. Her style was praised for its purity of color, its attention to detail, and its vigor. Although she died in 1961 at the age of 101, Her art is still very much alive and can be seen in several major art galleries. Her paintings are among the collections in the Metropolitan Museum of Art in New York City, the National Museum of Women in the Arts in Washington, D.C., and the Smithsonian American Art Museum, also in Washington, D.C., among many other museums as well as private collections. Now, I've told you all this so I can tell you about an artist born in Laurel County whose life in many ways was similar to that of Grandma Moses. Her name was Nanny Dorothea Hinkle Phelps, but she was commonly known as Nan Phelps. Nan was born at Lilly in Laurel County on August 25, 1904, the second child of John Hinkle and his second wife, Lula Weaver Hinkle, who married on October 12, 1902. John and Lula eventually had 12 children, one of whom, sadly, died in infancy. John Hinkle's first wife, Deborah Sue Marlowe, died on January 19, 1902. They had three children, one of whom also died in infancy. Nan's father was a primitive Baptist preacher and farmer in rural Laurel County. His profession as a preacher paid low wages and the family didn't have money for luxuries, such as art supplies for young Nan. From an early age, Nan was fascinated with nature. Growing up in rural Laurel County gave her the opportunity to spend hours investigating flowers, trees, and other plants, rocks, streams, clouds, and small animals. Nothing in nature escaped her interest. In later life, Nan recalled her love of nature for a Cincinnati Inquirer columnist. Quote, I love nature, and I loved my upbringing in Kentucky. As a girl, I just roamed the hills, up hills and down streams. They couldn't do anything with me. I studied animals, wildflowers, birds, trees. I used to catch frogs and put them in my pond and steal my mother's bread to feed them. There were more frogs in that pond than in the woods. My mind was just on that kind of thing. End quote. Like Grandma Moses, Nan's love of art also began at an early age. When Nan was five years old, someone gave her a nickel box of crayons, which sparked a lifelong love for drawing. As a young teenager, one of her teachers gave her some watercolors and paper, and she began experimenting with painting. Nan said, quote, in those days, I painted on any kind of white paper I could find. Even a roll of wallpaper with light background was a treat, End quote. When she was only 14, Nan had to quit school after eighth grade to help her mother care for the growing number of children in the Hinkle household. The birth of another sibling in 1918 brought the number of children in the home to nine. Her father's two oldest children, by his first wife, had already left home and were on their own by that time. Four years later, on February 25, 1922, Nan married Louis Franklin Phelps. Nan was just over 17 years old. Her husband, who went by a shortened version of his middle name, Frank, was 21. The young couple soon had two children of their own. But Nan's marriage to Frank didn't last long. According to some reports, Frank was an abusive husband. Nan left him and moved to Hamilton, Ohio to escape the abusive relationship. By 1925, Nan was divorced and a single mother with two small children. Fortunately, while she was in Hamilton, Nan met another man named Phelps from Laurel County, Robert Phelps, commonly known as Bob, who worked for the Ford Motor Company. If the two Phelps men were relatives, I was unable to find the connection. On April 7, 1928, Nan Hinkle Phelps and Robert Phelps were married in Hamilton Nan was 23. Bob was 21. They were together more than 60 years until Nan's death separated them, and they had three children together. The early years of their marriage were sometimes difficult, but not because of marital disputes. No, it was due to outside influences. Like everyone else at the time, they had to contend with the Great Depression from 1929 to 1939 Raising five children during the Depression couldn't have been easy, but in spite of the economic crisis, or perhaps in part because of it, Nan returned to her beloved art during that period. She took a two-year correspondence course in design and bought a set of oil paints from the Sears and Roebuck mail order catalog. Some of you might remember those. Sears and Roebuck was the Amazon of their day. You could order almost anything you needed from them. You could even order a house. Several of them still exist in Kentucky. I've actually visited a Sears and Roebuck house. But back to Nan. She used every spare minute to paint. For her subjects, she drew from her own imagination, as well as her memories of growing up in Kentucky. She painted nature. Birds, trees, flowers, animals, hills and streams, winter landscapes. She painted people. Her mother stitching a quilt a portrait of her grandmother, three portraits of her daughter Donna, a young boy sitting with his faithful dog. She painted snippets of life in rural Kentucky, people arriving on horseback and ox-drawn carts to the church where her father preached, a funeral illustrating how neighbors would help the family of the deceased in the days before funeral parlors were the norm, a scene of people picking grapes, her own family members making molasses, women in bonnets, breaking string beans, and slicing apples on the back porch. She painted buildings, her two-room schoolhouse in Laurel County with two outhouses, one for girls and one for boys, a cottage in the country, a castle by a river, a house being consumed by flames, St. Stephen Church in Hamilton. She even painted biblical scenes, The Last Supper, The Birth of Baby Jesus. She also produced paintings in a variety of sizes. Her work ranged from one-inch square miniatures to wall-sized murals, and everything in between. She even painted on rocks and seashells. Her style of art was described variously by experts as naive art, folk art, and primitive art. Though the three styles have some similarities, there are some subtle differences. Naive art is a term usually used for the forms of fine art such as paintings and sculptures made by a self-taught artist and is characterized by childlike simplicity of execution and vision. Folk art is art that may be decorative or utilitarian, may be used every day or reserved for high ceremonies, is handmade. It may include handmade elements as well as new synthetic or recycled components. Primitive art originally referred to tribal or native art made by people in non-industrialized cultures, but in a modern sense, primitive art is more accurately defined as a genre of art made by untrained artists who don't recognize themselves as artists. Nan Phelps doesn't really fit the category of primitive art since she self-identified as an artist. The term naive art may best describe her, although she is most often labeled as a folk artist. Nan's artwork was, and still is, often compared to that of Grandma Moses, who was characterized as a folk artist. But Nan didn't copy Grandma Moses or anyone else, something she had to actually prove to art experts at one point. In 1940, when she took a painting she had done in 1932 to the Cincinnati Art Museum, the museum's experts didn't believe she'd painted the work. They sent her to the Cincinnati Art Academy to prove that she was the artist. Nan said, quote, They didn't believe I painted from my imagination till I stood up and painted in my class, and they saw I wasn't copying. I love everything I see, and I love to paint, End quote. She won a one-year scholarship to attend the academy, but she didn't stay long because she didn't think they could teach her anything. Nan said, quote, God is the giver of my talent and the only teacher I ever had, End quote. Nan's work was exhibited at the Cincinnati Art Museum and in local arts and crafts shows during the 1930s. During the 1930s and 1940s, Nan would roll up her painted canvases and ride a bus all the way from Hamilton, Ohio to New York City to show her work to art galleries there. In spite of the frequent comparison of her work to that of Grandma Moses, Nan said she was told time and time again that compared to her work, Grandma Moses' art was kid stuff. Nan said, quote, I think they kind of kept me hid back because they had already picked up on Grandma Moses, end quote. But Nan's persistence finally paid off. In 1950, a curator at the Museum of Modern Art in New York City recommended Nan's work to Dr. Otto Kallir, who was director of the Gallery St. Etienne in Manhattan. See, I told you those names would pop up again. As you already know, Collier was responsible for discovering and promoting Grandma Moses. He soon developed an interest in Nan's artwork and agreed to represent her and to promote her paintings. Back home in Hamilton, Nan joined the Brush and Easel Art Club, using the organization as another avenue to display and sell her paintings. In November 1951, Some of Nan's art was displayed at the 6th Annual Exhibition of Artists of Cincinnati and Vicinity at the Cincinnati Art Museum. In November 1972, Nan won a white ribbon and $5 for one of her oil paintings at the 9th Annual Greater Hamilton Art Exhibit at the Hamilton campus of Miami, Ohio University. In 1974, Nan Phelps was invited to hold a solo art exhibit at a prestigious art gallery in Paris, France. By this time, Nan was listed in Artists USA, 1970-71, The Buyer's Guide to Contemporary Art, Who's Who in American Art, and Women Artists in America. Today, she has her own Wikipedia entry and appears on numerous other websites in books, newspapers, and magazine articles, and as of today, at least one podcast. In July 1976, Nan was one of 300 artists whose work was featured in Arts Fair 76 in downtown Hamilton, sponsored by the Brush and Easel Art Club of Hamilton, of which Nan was a member. In the 1980s, Jay Johnson, a New York gallery owner and scholar of American folk art, acquired and displayed some of Nan's paintings in several exhibits. Johnson also arranged a solo exhibition of her work at his America's Folk Heritage Gallery in New York City. In 1982, when Anne was 78 years old, she signed an exclusive contract with the gallery Saint Etienne in Manhattan to sell her artwork. She took her fame in stride. She told one interviewer, "People are finally finding out about me when I'm ready to die." But she still had a few years left to enjoy her reputation as a world-class artist. In 1989, two of Nan's paintings were chosen for a traveling exhibition appearing in Japan and West Germany. The only living American artist chosen for the exhibition. Other folk artists in the exhibit included Grandma Moses and Horace Pippin, an African-American folk artist, described by art critic Alan Locke as, quote, a real and rare genius combining folk quality with artistic maturity so uniquely as almost to defy classification, end quote. Nan remarked to her daughter at the time that she was traveling in good company. As part of the Friends of Art and Preservation in Embassies, which works with the U.S. Department of State to contribute fine art to U.S. embassies around the world, Nan's paintings have been displayed in the U.S. embassies in West Germany, Finland, and Denmark. One of Nan's paintings, Riverfront Stadium, Phillies and Reds, appeared on the front cover of A People in a Nation history book and was used in the Feeling in Love segment of David Letterman's second holiday film festival in 1986. Nan's work was also on display at the Cincinnati Art Museum's The Fine Art of Folk Art Art Show, held from May through early September 1990. One of her paintings, The Eyes of a Truck Driver, was photographed for the May 13, 1990 issue of the Lexington Herald-Leader newspaper. The photo of her painting accompanied Art Notes, a feature article about art exhibits in Lexington and Cincinnati. Sadly, Nan wasn't around to see the article or the art exhibit. She was hospitalized in Hamilton, Ohio in late 1989 and passed away on January 17, 1990. She was 85 years old. According to legend, while she was in the hospital, Nan asked for her paints and brushes so she could paint the clouds she saw outside the hospital window. She reportedly said, quote, I wish I could paint those clouds, end quote. Unfortunately, she was too weak to use her art supplies, so she was unable to paint the clouds that had caught her attention. At the time of her death, Nan had 18 grandchildren, 12 great-grandchildren, and one great-great-grandchild. All five of her children, as well as her second husband, Robert Phelps, four sisters and two brothers, also survived her. Like Grandma Moses, Nan Phelps' art is part of some very prestigious collections, including the Museum of American Folk Art in New York City, the Cincinnati Art Museum in Cincinnati, Ohio, the Henry Ford Art Collection in Detroit, Michigan, the Kentucky Folk Art Center at Moorhead State University in Moorhead, Kentucky, the New Orleans Museum of Art in New Orleans, Louisiana, the Roosevelt University in Chicago, Illinois, and the Cumberland Valley Art Gallery in London, Kentucky. Nan Phelps' artwork still features in exhibitions and art shows. In March 1999, Forty of Nan Phelps' paintings were on exhibit at the Kentucky Folk Art Center in Moorhead, Kentucky. In an article for the Lexington Herald-Leader newspaper, an art critic called the three portraits Nan did of her daughter, Donna, mesmerizing due to the depth of emotion put in such a young girl's face. The art critic described another of Nan's paintings, a pastoral scene titled Picking Grapes, as having great lyricism. In January 2022, Nan Phelps' work was on display at the Appalachian from the Inside Art exhibit at the Arts Center of the Bluegrass in Danville, Kentucky. According to an article in Danville's Advocate Messenger newspaper, quote, One of the highlights of this exhibition is a piece created by Kentucky native Nan Phelps, titled, Duncan, Sing to Orville, from 1969. This painting is a perfect example of traditional folk art, exhibiting attributes such as a highly decorative design, bright bold colors, flattened perspective, and strong forms in a simple arrangement. The painting depicts a young boy dressed in a red and white cowboy suit, sitting in a chair, holding a small guitar next to his trusted dog, Orval. Phelps' piece is a very stylized example of folk art reminiscent of early 1800s miniatures created by traveling untrained artists commissioned to create small portraits before the invention of photography. End quote. While researching Nan Phelps' life and art, and after reading other people's assessment of her work, I found that I wanted to see some of her art for myself. So I began scouring the internet for images of her paintings and I wasn't disappointed. I found many of the paintings I read about during my research. I found some of them captivating. Now, I'm not an artist or an arts expert by any means, but some of Nan Phelps' art speaks to my soul. Maybe it's my own background growing up in rural Laurel County in the mid 20th century, wandering the fields and woods on my grandparents' farms, seeing nature through the eyes of a curious child And watching my family members perform many of the same tasks Nan illustrated in her paintings that allows me to identify Nan's memories as similar to those of my own. Maybe it's also her joyful childlike artistic style that brings a sense of wonder to her work. And maybe, just maybe, it's also something else. Now that I'm in my early 70s, I can look at other women like Grandma Moses and Nan Phelps who accomplished remarkable things later in life and draw inspiration from those women. Their accomplishments nurture a desire in me to do more with my own life before my time on this earth is over. That is, in part, what this podcast is about, doing more of what I love and leaving a legacy, a gift, if you will, to those who will remain after I'm gone. Nan Phelps and other women like her show all of us that it really never is too late to follow our dreams, to set out to accomplish something meaningful, not just for ourselves, but for the world outside our own personal little bubble. Here's hoping Nan Phelps has inspired you to follow your dreams, to reach for something you may have thought was out of reach, to venture outside your comfort zone and, as Eleanor Roosevelt once said, quote, do the thing you think you cannot do, end quote. Here's to Nan Phelps, a Laurel County native who made an impact on the larger world and left it just a little bit better than she found it. Thank you, Nan. And thank you for listening to Nan Phelps' story. If you like this episode, be sure to tune in again next Thursday for another interesting story from Laurel County's past. And if you did enjoy this episode, please tell your friends about this Laurel County History Podcast and ask them to check it out. Until next week, I'm your host, Dana Estridge. Thanks for stopping by.